0: Welcome to setting the skein. I forgot the name of the podcast for a second, but
1: I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And uh, we're, I'll we're cover here for you for just a second. Thank um, you. We're cause, here because I'm not going to lie. It, it did take you a second to say the title of the of the podcast, <laughs> and in that second, it made me think: Have we done like episodes recently where we didn't say saying the skein and we just said setting the scene? No. Um Oh, okay. I'm always well, very that's...
0: particular about saying setting the skein, but uh, we just uh, recorded our uh, live review of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I started that one a little differently, which, by the way, uh, if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. It's still on Facebook. Um, yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> um,
0: but I think I said welcome Facebook. to a very special episode of Setting the Skein, um, mm. so that kind of threw me off a little bit.
1: Mm. Gotcha.
0: But we're not here to talk about that today. Doug, what did you watch
1: this week? Well, Ben, you know, here's the thing, buddy. You would be forgiven for messing up the intro to this movie, because this movie, in and of itself, was kind of like... Kind of a little, like, stain on my week, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, I thought this was going to be a fun night, and it really... (laughs) hasn't been. Um, But this week, y'all, as depressing of an intro as that sounds, this week we watched 2010's The Sorcerer Apprentice, starring Nicolas Cage, Jay Baruchel, not Dave Baruchel, sorry about that, um, Alfred Molina, and those are really the only people that you need to know. Um, Directed by John Crap, John Turtletaub, um... Yep. Uh, released by the Walt Disney Company in 2010 for a budget of 150 million dollars. Uh, <laughs> I uh, guess how much the, my, this movie made at the U.S. box office? Less
0: than a third of that. Five dollars.
1: Um, a little over a third of that. A over Sixty-three a third. million dollars. Okay. Mercy, um,
0: thanks. Goodness. Can Goodness.
2: Can I just say when I Googled this movie? The first thing that came up was The Sorcerer's Apprentice 2, and people are, were asking if they're going to make a second one, and I'm like, why would they think that? <laughs> Oof,
1: yeah. Why? Um. Uh, yeah, so this movie came out in 2010. Wow. Okay, holds a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 3 out of 5 on Common Sense, which when you've got a Common Sense... uh. A Common sense rating, Common Sense Media. Oh, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. I have a lot of issues with Common Sense Media. Um, Ooh, and eighty and an 86 percent on Google users. Oh, mm. I'll I'll get on my soapbox about Common Sense Media real quick. It's the same as my soapbox about uh, the uh, the American Family Association's uh, uh, film review series Unplugged, oh. which basically looks at how family friendly a movie is. And based on that, they will rate a movie. Oh. To heck, whether or not it's a good movie. Like, it, so I'm it sure has they're very be... big fans of um, Quentin Tarantino. Oh my gosh. They rip him to shreds. They ripped Whiplash to shreds. They they have... They like well. promoted... They were like, the Emoji Movie is like a great movie to watch with like your family and everything like that. And Boss Baby, they were really big fans of Boss Baby. And I'm just like, actually... All of you can go die in a hole.
2: Well, um, I, I imagine in any any bad, well, any not filmed from the movie, they would just rip to shreds, right? It's
1: yeah, basically, thing. that's that's okay. basically what it is. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, they uh, okay. Oh, I, I am just gonna get on my soapbox about this because I have a real issue with these people, and I hate the fact that they are given like a platform to review movies and like act like they're doing high art are that they have the authority to review high art. And I know that we're just some random dudes uh, in our bedrooms like talking about movies that we like. Yes. But I'm sorry, we actually take into account like what makes a movie good, what qualifies as good art. And these are the people who look at something like and they 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 occasionally do television reviews. Um, they did an entire review on the television series Euphoria, which is a freaking amazing television series. It's excellent. It will mess you up, but it's Excellent, And they were like, this is horrible. It should not have won an Emmy. Zendaya should not have won an Emmy. She was not worthy of it. And I'm like, no. Y'all are not worthy to be on the freaking internet because you don't know what the frick you're talking about. So shut up and stop acting like you know what makes a good movie good, a bad movie bad, a good television series good, a bad television series bad. Stop acting like you understand art because you don't. You don't. You understand how to promote your own agenda and you let that interfere with a review of a movie, which should be unbiased.
0: Well, I just want to jump in and say, uh, if you haven't seen Euphoria, it is definitely worth a watch. Uh, it's Zendaya's, per- Zendaya's performance in that is unmatched. Like, um, if you've only seen her in like Spider Man, like seriously, watch some of the other stuff. Showman, she- or, or Greatest Showman. Or Greatest Showman. Watch some of the other stuff that she's done because she is an incredible actress. Uh, between Euphoria, uh, Malcolm and Marie. The movie itself isn't that great, but John David Washington's Daya's performances are
1: incredible in that. I just, I just want to also use this as a quick jumping off point to say, uh, any of our listeners, um, if you would like to discuss Euphoria with me, I am always down to do that. <laughs> so, like, you can message me on Facebook. I will happily respond. Uh, um,
0: anyway, Tristan, what were you saying before I so rudely cut you off? Uh, uh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> You you're saying something but it's fine. So, I don't uh, have any of y'all seen this movie before? <laughs> Since you know no, we're sir. here to talk about no, a movie.
2: Sir. I have not. I have, have well, I have not. now, but I haven't before. All right,
1: Doug, I know you've seen it. I have multiple times actually. Um this Don't sound thrilled about it. This, my friends, Sorcerer's Apprentice was the first movie I ever owned on Blu-ray. Um not necessarily by choice i believe i was given it for christmas um one year uh and what
2: doug yes this movie has magic in it
1: tristan shut up um (laughs) uh i watch and here's the funny thing we didn't have a blu-ray player at the time but we got a blu-ray disc um and I watched the absolute heck out of this movie on my mom's uh, my mom had a blue minivan and in the blue minivan there was this little 4 inch by 3 inch uh, DVD player that was built into the top of the car and I watched the ever living heck out of, out of this movie um Wow! All the way back, in... I had this movie in fourth grade. That's insane. Wow, that's well, crazy.
2: I, I tell you what, this this movie did. Yeah, I mean, it met every expectation I had. Um, so, it, so. There you go. I well, mean, it, that doesn't okay. mean it was it was it was good. I didn't have any good expectations from this film.
1: So. Tristan I am actually curious. Um, what were your expectations and Ben if you if you wouldn't mind saying if you had any expectations, what were they going into this movie because I'm curious. Sure.
2: Um, I well, uh, I expected um, Campiness uh, which I got. I expected bad lines, which I got. I expected to be able to tell you the ending. From the beginning, which I was a, which I, I mean, basically I could do that um, because I, my point is is that it was telegraphed, and it was just I've seen the you've seen this story a million times, and it's like doesn't even feel like a creative spin on it. Mm. So yeah, I didn't really expect anything creative, um, and I didn't really get anything creative. So kind of met that that that's just my truth though that's boys that's
0: where i'm at okay all right that's where i'm at all just right. just like just letting you know that's where you're at uh personally i was expecting quite a few more nick cage shenanigans and i did not get that and i feel a little robbed can I ask, what is a Nick Cage shenanigan?
1: Please. That's a great me. question. That's a great question. Um, welcome, everyone, to the portion of the show where, in trying to explain this, um, I'm going to do a bunch of Nick Cage uh, impressions. Um <laughs> So, uh, so oh, no. a Nick Cage moment refers to any real freakout moment in a Nick Cage movie between roughly 1993 to 2008. Okay, that's that's roughly the era of the Cage. Um, it's usually okay. Okay. it's usually categorized by wide eyes, like you can see the pupils, uh, wide grin um, exposing all the teeth. And the gum line, and even like uh, parts of the jaw, you can just see. He's smiling so wide. Um, uh, usually, you have random uptakes and volume and emphasis. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you, you can have something like like his his scene in uh and uh, what is it? Uh, I, crap, my date with a vampire or something like that. Um, something about vampire. Uh, where he goes, you know it. It's easy. It's just like it's just like A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P. Um.
2: Okay. Well, I've seen I've seen um. Vampire's the... kiss. That's it. Vampire's kiss.
1: I've so. seen National Treasure. Does he do it in that movie? No, he does not. No, he does not. Okay. National Nash- <laughs> National Treasure is a uh, it is a cage free nick cage movie okay i've seen matchstick men does he do it that movie kind of the closest you get is uh is when the the guy is when the guy comes up to him and the guy's like hey have you ever heard him have you ever heard of a line and nick cage turns and he's like hey have you ever been dragged out into the side of the street and beaten until you pissed blood (laughs)
2: okay yeah i remember that one i get it i get it now thanks and I hope everyone out there gets it too. And if you don't, Doug, where can they find another Nick Cage? Uh,
1: you can, you can just same thing with Euphoria. Message me; we'll set up a time, um, and uh, we'll we'll have a grand old. Doug,
2: Doug, Doug got a meeting. consultation ready for you for your, any of your Nick Cage needs.
1: Anything, anything.
2: And, and Nick Cage, I know you're out there listening. Um,
1: if you also want a consultation. Uh, with our own Doug Gooden. Uh, Nick Cage is, Nick Cage, if usual, i sit down and stare deeply into each other's eyes. I'm completely okay with it. Um, and, uh, I look forward to, I look forward to our time together. <laughs> I look forward to the staring. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, yeah, ben? so, speaking of, uh, <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Ben, you, you were, you were talking.
0: Yeah, um, I, I felt rocked because I didn't really get any Nick Cage shenanigans, um. It it was a pretty just kind of like chilled Nick Cage performance which I really wasn't expecting. Especially. Did you with... want that? No, I didn't. I wanted Nick Cage doing
1: weird magical things and it's the closest Nick Cage we got... as a sorcerer. Right. Why would you not want him to be insane? Right. Hey,
2: I... quick question. Huh? There was a Nick Cage movie that came out recently. It was about Lovecraft. Have you guys heard of it or seen it?
1: Nope. Lovecraft? I ref, I believe you're referring to the uh to the film The Color of Space. Yes, that's it. I have I have not seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and it does sound insane. You want a great modern like Nick Cage movie, Mandy. Oh my gosh. We we should watch Mandy. We should all get together and watch Mandy. All right, Mandy. Yes. Mandy by There's a ton of like I'm going to be honest, the entire movie centers around people doing, like, LSD, and, mm-hmm. like, there's a kidnapping and a murder and vengeance. There's this thing called the Cheese Goblin. It's great. <laughs> people are vomiting mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fun time. Oh, man. Mandy. It's a fun time all around. Mandy. Is, great movie. Is Barry, is Barry Manilow in it? Barry Manilow, I think. I don't know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Mandy. He had a song called Mandy. No, I actually don't. Um... Uh, but going right. off of going off of Ben's point, you know, I do think that that's what this movie was trying to do. I think when they were advertising it back in the good old 2010, uh, I guess you could call it good old. I don't know. I don't the know. tens. Yeah, the tens. I don't know. Um, uh, they they were banking off of the fact that people would come and see Nick Cage as a sorcerer, and they ding dang duped us. They duped us. Well, well, he was a sorcerer. He sure was, though. Yeah, but I, and I feel the majority of America, wanted to see Insane Cage, and we didn't get that. Well, we got not help cage. you there. We got someone yeah. who was tamed in the cage, not someone who you was got a caged outside cage. the cage. You
2: got the man <laughs> in the cage. All right, yeah. Ben,
1: please take us away from this place.
0: Oh, away from this place, um,
1: preferably on the, giant metal eagle. Yeah, honestly, the I, I kind of wanted a little
0: bit more of the things like the giant metal eagle because that—I
1: mean—that felt like
0: you know some good it opportunity like, for like some primo Nick Cage action. It was
1: like it was like everything was here. Mm-hmm. What you you had
2: everything? We got a whole scene with the brooms. And the broom's being goofy. What?
1: What do you mean? You got And Nick Cage had things. almost
0: nothing to do with that.
1: Nick Cage does not show up in. What that about scene the car until scene at the very end? What about the chase?
2: The car chasing that, Nick Cage. You got a wild. He got a little wild glint in his eye as he drove into that mirror. What about that?
1: No, you want to know that's... when would be a great moment for a Nick Cage moment in the car chase scene? When he's about to be crushed by the garbage truck. And if he would just laugh maniacally as it comes down on him, instead of giving out for Melina this little, like, hey, thank you for that. <laughs> thank thank you. Thank you for threatening my life. If he had just laughed maniacally and, like, thrown up, like, double birds and then eaten a bird, <laughs> like, that would have been Nick Cage. And
0: then turned into a bird.
1: <laughs> and then turned into a bird. It's a oh, guy. such it's a
2: Nick Cage moment, folks. I hope you're learning a lot today, (laughs) because we got a lot to tell you about Nick Cage. Yeah. Turns out. Oh, man.
1: Nick Cage, Uh, what a
2: guy. Now, okay. That's such a Nick Cage moment, guys.
1: Now, now, here's the thing. Okay, because I did feel robbed of Nick Cage moments, but do you know who actually was probably really well-suited for this movie and gave the performance that I figured they would give, and somehow it still made me angry, is Jay Baruchel. Okay, Jay Baruchel plays our uh, our protagonist Dave yeah that's right Nick Cage isn't even our protagonist he's just like the mentor character yeah that's how that's how important he was to this movie um, mm-hmm. that was how much we needed well, Nick Cage well, he's, in this well that's important I mean it is but Nick he wasn't Cage... the main character Nick Cage is a sorcerer, like teacher, not a sorcerer's apprentice. Someone who like knows everything about sorcery. He should be insane. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox <laughs> about that. So Jay Baruchel, we've 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 talked about good old Jay and I uh, in previous film reviews, most nobly our uh, our review of How to Train Your Dragon, which oh is yeah, a great review. If, uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, go give it a listen. Um. And, Tristan, I know that Jay Baruchel's voice gets on your nerves. I know yeah. it gets on several people's nerves.
2: You know, I, I don't blame him for having a voice. Like, he was born that way. Um, and that's okay. It's just... It's just... I, w- what really upset me was How to Train Your Dragon. Like, why did they go with that guy? I mean, I get it for the first... Alright, we already talked about that movie.
1: See, now, I'm, I'm not making an argument. Because I, I think it works in How to Train Your Dragon. Because I think the movie is built around, like, you know, you have this wimpy kid who, who needs to grow into a man. Um, and I get how, like, his voice may become annoying as the movies go on. But I think for, specifically the first movie, I think it was suited for a voice like Jay Baruchel's. Here... Good Lord! And again, like no hate on Jay Baruchel because I think he's done some really good work, and I think he can be very funny, and I think he is usually very funny. But here, his voice is so freaking annoying. Yeah. Well, I I, I think it. I think what
2: happened here is they made a character that was so bad and his voice just amplified the terribleness of this guy's character because of like they did not give him good lines to work with i mean no one had good lines in this movie really Ooh. maybe nick cage had a few good lines yeah. but he had some really bad lines too <laughs> so i don't know i guess maybe alfred molina was the only one with decent lines but now that i think about it i'm wrong there too and no one had good lines this movie but the, i mean this guy, what's his name? Baruchel, what's Jay Baruchel. Jay, Jay Baruchel. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think his voice is really just. I mean, it's just amplifying, the the badness here. I, I don't know how else to explain it to you guys. I,
1: I'm sorry. I mean, preemptive fact, apology. Fact fact of the matter is, it's it's an annoying voice for this movie. Um yeah i'm not gonna lie this movie really like <sighs> you know what i i i made dinner
2: at the beginning of this movie i went into my kitchen i told the boys all right i told the, i told them i told my my two boys here i said boys i'm gonna make dinner and then they said nothing because they, they they don't ever and uh and then i went in there and i i set up the laptop and made dinner you know my roommate Wade, who's been on this podcast, uh, walked in uh, not long after, and he took a look at what I was watching on the, on the uh, computer, and he said, "Oh, that's a pretty good movie." And then my brain my brain said, "What?" Because at the point I was at the movie, everything about it had told me that this, this, was, this was bad. So either Wade has terrible taste, which, I don't know, I mean, he did like, uh, what was that What was that bad movie that I purged from my brain? Um, uh, greatest Showman? <laughs> the Greatest Showman. <laughs> uh, but also, maybe he only saw this when he was,
0: like, 14 years old or something, so I don't know. I, say, uh, I actually say? had, um, I was talking with someone earlier, and I told them that... To... This is what I was watching, and I mean, they said something somewhere. They they like this movie. Yeah,
2: I guess I guess people just have a memory of when they were younger seeing this movie. Yeah. I mean, when I was young, I, I half the movies that I dislike
0: now, I I thought were I was pretty keen on. So I don't yeah. know. So what is it about this movie that appeals to a younger audience? Because like, I I'm struggling. Well, and I get, like, I'm an older person. I, like, the same kinds of things won't appeal to me, but, like, the pacing is garbage. It's not really even that fun. It's kind of boring. But, Uh,
1: but Like, you don't even
0: have interesting Nick Cage moments to pull you through it.
1: (laughs) You know, all the kids out there wanting these Nick Cage moments. But here's the thing. We've watched, I mean, it's not like, it's not like, You can't make a kids' movie that appeals to both kids and adults. As I've said multiple times on this show, like it just takes effort. And I think that's my biggest problem with with this movie, is the fact that it feels so bland and so lifeless. It feels like something that was just put together last minute, and they were like... Alright, we got a movie about a sorcerer and his apprentice. Who we gonna get to play The Apprentice? That kid who was training a dragon. Alright, who we gonna get to play The Sorcerer? Anyone but Nick Cage. I was heard that... Nick Cage. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> was that movie out already? How to Train Your Dragon? How to Train Your Dragon came out in 2008, right? I'll tell I don't you i know. I'll find out. I think it did. This, this first one uh, came out in 2010. Okay, so...
2: So, this movie was, I I guess, I, I think Ben looked this up a second ago. Was it based on the Disney's Sorcerer's Apprentice? A, cartoon? Uh, that was
0: Doug that looked that up. Or
1: so, okay. so, yeah, basically, um, yeah, basically, I mean, this entire movie was used as a method to create a live action version of Mickey's Sorcerer, or the Mickey Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh, bit from Fantasia.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, it's the same name, and then there's a big scene in this movie where you know, they do the they do the mop thing.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. That mop scene, all over the advertisement for this movie. Like, oh. like they got a couple things in the advertisement every single time. You got Nick Cage, you got Jay Baruchel going ah, 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 and mm. you got the and the fist da 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 bump, bump thing. Oh, and the knuckle bump.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you gotta have you gotta have a mop scene, and you got a movie, you gotta put a mop scene in it. Otherwise, it's not really. So you got your mop scene, okay, and you got you got your 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 eagle scene, okay. You got. You got your Morgana scene. Those are the three parts of a movie that you need for a movie. If you got those three scenes, then ladies and gentlemen, I think you got a movie on your hands.
1: Yeah, so so here's my so here's my whole thing, okay? So, like I said, every every movie's got it. Like I said, this movie just feels like so devoid of effort and life and energy. And I think my biggest problem with that is, is that, guys, I feel like we have horrible taste in fantasy movies on this podcast, because we just don't pick good ones, because I feel like, I feel like the last two fantasy movies that we picked, this and Aragon, both suffer from the same problem of just like, we gotta make a movie, what kind of movie, fantasy movie, how are we gonna make it, I don't care, just make it. Well, I don't
2: have bad taste. I don't think you guys do either. It's just we, we've picked horrible films.
0: I mean, I not, think it's also, about. like, a lack of legitimately good fantasy movies. I mean, not every fantasy movie out there is The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you and you've got The Lord of the Rings
2: to compare it everything to.
0: I mean, like, you don't have to, but, like, a lot of the stuff you get tends to feel more like this or, like, Aragon which are just like very uninspired works of fantasy, right? But what's what's
2: the standard? Like, what's the standard for sci-fi movies? You know, I don't I mean, know I
1: Star don't,
0: Wars. I don't Star Trek. I mean, personally, I don't consider Star Wars sci-fi, but I consider if Star I did, Wars, I wouldn't space com- fantasy.
1: Yeah, that's
0: but that's my
2: point. Like, I mean, you have you have a medieval type movie, fantasy type movie. Mm-hmm. You're going to compare it to. to you're going to compare it to the best one. yeah.
1: Well, but, I mean, you can even look at something like... You can look at something like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or... If you want to go a little bit off the beaten path, you can do, like, Chronicles of Narnia. And all of those movies succeed at what they set out to do. And I think a large part of that is because, like, they try to make you care about the world that you're fighting in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They, they try to make you care about what happens. Because... Fantasy movies already kind of have a big issue up against them uh, in that you 90% of fantasy movies, the threat is the end of the world as we know it. Mm-hmm. And if you set it automatically, if you're set in a world that is different from our own, your audience is going to look at that and be like, okay, why should I care about it? Why should I give a crap about this this fictional world
2: yeah a- every everyone has you know even if the motivations are there, like Voldemort and Harry Potter is he he's evil mm-hmm. and it's like, why like what are you doing like what's your goal? Mm-hmm. uh, I want to kill Harry Potter and rule the world cuz 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 wizards should be pure and rule the world. Okay, cool. So you're just evil then. It's like the the guy in this movie or Morgana in this movie just evil, I guess.
0: So she wants Can't to sympathize raise with a, an army of like um, the dead, the apparently. dead evil sorcerers like her so she can take over the world. To, to do what? To when? take over the world. To,
2: what what happens? Morgana, what? I want to I just want to sit down with Morgana and I want to say, Morgana, what what are you doing? What what are you doing? What the hell is your goal? What's the end goal here? You 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 take over the world, what? You build a big castle, you get all your dead minions in the castle, what? You make a big table, you sit at it. What? You going to you get a hammer, you hit the table a few times, say knock knock knock, order in the court. All right, first order of business, uh, let's do some, some evil business. Yeah. How about that? And everyone says, oh, we're all evil. That, that was our only goal. Yeah. We did it. Now
0: we're evil. And instead, like, I mean, this movie just doesn't feel like there's any heart. Like, you, I personally couldn't care less about any of the characters. The world is not built up at all. It's just, it looks like it was a cash grab and apparently a really bad one too because oh. they lost almost a hundred thousand dollars on it
2: the lore million million, hundred
0: million Million. dollars the lore here
2: gives you it gives you like five minutes in the beginning to explain the the actual like real life like legend of merlin Mm -hmm. and what happened and i don't i i mean i know about merlin i know about a lot of these different things i know about Morgana but I don't know about his apprentices and I didn't even know if that was really a part of the legend it is not. not based on Arthurian legend so I'm not well versed and I don't think the average person is well versed so when I watched that I was like okay um I am now having to process this information that was based on something I already didn't really know very well and you gave me five minutes to do it and there's your exposition and now, here's the movie. <laughs> and also, fantasy movies, like, uh, just in general, there's, the problem is throughout the whole movie. But the very beginning, you see it the most, is effects. Like, trying to do visual effects for a fantasy movie, it's going to happen. Like, it's a fantasy movie, you're going to have visual effects to some degree. And you're probably going to have a lot of them, because that's just, that's, it's a fantasy film. Yeah. So... If it's bad, if it looks bad, which it almost always will look bad at some point in the future, then it, th- I mean, there you go. It's bad now. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't do anything about it. You're, you're, you're just, I mean, as movies go on, as movies continue in the future and, you know, this year a fantasy movie might come out and then 10 years down the line, we're going to say part of, parts of it look bad. Because movies are constantly trying to push the envelope on what they can and can't do. Um, So, my point is, fantasy movies are somewhat set up for failure anyway. Because there's always going to be someone out there, whether it's Harry Potter or this, who is going to say, well, that doesn't look very
0: good. But, I mean, mean, I think you can get past some of that if you've actually got a good story and not some ripoff of Arthurian legend, because like it's not even a Merlin story. It's like uh, Merlin's apprentice's apprentice.
1: But we mentioned Merlin because you know who that is. I'm wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm just gonna say that my biggest issue with this movie is that you know it's a cash grab. They do not try to yep. hide you hide it from the fact. That it is a cash grab. Are the effects one. bad? Are the effects bad? Yes. Um, is is the story abysmal? Yes. Does anyone at Disney care? No, because all they wanted to do was make a quick buck, and it looks and like they, they
2: didn't. They sure didn't. Right. They
1: lost. Uh, and it looks like many quick failed. bucks. Also, I just want to say one more time because, like, so I'm not gonna lie. I kind of disagree with you about how like fantasy movies are set up to fail? I don't
2: think they're set up to fail. I think they're set up to, in the future, some some people out there are always going to say, this is not as impressive as I thought it was at the time. That's what I was trying to say.
0: I mean, I don't think that's necessarily specific to uh, fantasy films. Though. I mean, I think that's any film. Yeah. Sure, but, cause... but, but specifically
2: fantasy films have... More CGI and effects than any other
1: films. I, mean, I, don't I would, would argue agree sci-fi with that probably either. has I would, a little bit more. I would, but... I would argue sci-fi with the horizon, uh, uh, with the horizon superhero movies. I would or superhero say movies. Superhero yeah. Movie. See, I, yeah, I, I, right I don't here. think okay. superhero. Uh,
2: I, I guess I include all that in the fantasy because it's not real. It's fantastical. My,
1: that's fair superhero fantasy my whole thing is I truly doubt someone will look at Lord of the Rings in the future and say that Gollum doesn't look great or isn't a good design or isn't a convincing effect
0: I mean even if they do everything about that movie though is still so good it it doesn't matter if, oh well, yeah, it, if the animation or the CG. That's because look it's
2: Lord of the cool. Rings, right?
0: That's the it's like widely known as the best
2: one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Out of these so what g- this genre. So what if it's boring as crap and not a good movie? Um, uh. <laughs> well. But it's, um, it's okay, Doug. We know that you don't like Lord of the Rings. I don't like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I really wish. Know I, I love telling that to yeah. Elijah. So does this film have any redeeming qualities whatsoever? I will say this movie introduced me to One Republic, and I'll give them credit for that. I will give okay. them credit for introducing me to One Republic, because I think they've got some good music. Okay, because I don't
0: I, think I have a single redeeming quality about this movie.
1: Okay, actually, I've got one more. In a movie where no one gives a crap and no one's trying, I think Alfred Molina is actually giving it his all in this movie.
0: Honestly, he uh, didn't do that much
1: for me. He did well. He, he didn't. He just didn't do that much, though. Yeah. I mean, he, I know, like, but he's at least trying. Yeah,
2: I think so. Yeah, I. I guess he was just there. It wasn't like he was like he had a phenomenal emotional performance. Or he like screamed really loud. He just kind of showed up and
0: did his job. <laughs> he said, "All right, I'll take that paycheck now. Thank you." Yeah. <laughs> I can't complain. He showed up about to Alfred Mr. Walt Malina. Disney and said, uh, "Hi, Mr. Uh, Walt. Frozen on ice. Uh, I'll take my cash and uh, I'll, I'll do I'll do your little magical thing, and then I'm going to go home."
1: I think Tristan Bye. hit it on the head. I don't have anything bad to say about Alfred Molina's performance in this. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's um.
2: Fair. I I don't know. You anything mentioned what to say about it. You mentioned the soundtrack earlier, and I, I I said something before the podcast that I wanted to bring up because Doug said, um, during the movie I think or before, it was right as the movie was starting. Yeah, because there was a song that came
1: on. What song was that, Doug? It was uh the middle. I don't the middle know who sings it. But it was By Jimmy World. Yep.
2: Yeah, and Doug said, "I love the soundtrack." And got uh, my, me th-
1: my exact words were uh, the soundtrack slaps
2: slaps and it got me thinking about um, soundtracks that slap and it I mean it really just got me thinking about contemporary music in movies and what does that what like what is that what's the purpose of that where have we seen it I mean I was thinking about purposeful uses or well, purposeful usage of music that you know top 40s or really just music that's not orchestral is what i'm trying to say um not diegetic some of it can be but just music that you hear on the radio in these types of movies and you know this this movie has it i mean there's even i i think uh there's some diegetic music it's like a cover that the tesla coil does of Mm -hmm. uh superstition i think of yeah and secrets by one republic right and secrets um
0: honestly i feel like a lot of the music in this movie is diegetic a lot of it is diegetic
2: yeah so but it made me think like
0: also uh, real quick um for those of y'all who don't know who may be listening and don't know what that means uh, diegetic means it's happening within the world of the movie
2: right right so me think is it is it useful in this movie or is it just there because it was popular at the time and that I, superstition, of course, everyone knows that song, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't say that one is there. But
0: honestly, I, I think that. it was there because it was popular.
2: Yeah, and it, and so then it got me thinking about movies that have used songs. You know, uh, think about Watchmen. If you guys have seen mm-hmm. Watchmen, at the beginning, just no spoilers. At the beginning of the movie, during the uh, opening credits, you have Bob um,
0: Dylan's "Times Are Changing."
2: yeah yeah and it's and it's,
0: times they are changing.
2: it's it's used directly to influence the the plot i guess um mm. not directly but it it tell helps tell the story yeah. and then the example i gave them before was in jojo rabbit at the end um where heroes plays um and i think does heroes play earlier in the
1: movie as well I don't remember. I can't remember. I don't think it plays. It's earlier. the German version. I don't think it plays earlier, but there are other movies that end with that exact soundtrack.
2: Yeah. yeah well, I mean, there, there are. There, it's the German version of of Heroes, and you're thinking of the perks being a Wallflower. Um.
0: Great <laughs> <Fair laughs> movie. <Okay. laughs>
2: but, but yeah, it is a good movie. But anyway, my point is, is that the, the well, while the music in a movie may be good and it may like you may say I like this song or I like this type of music is it good if they if they just shoehorn music in there or put it over something because no. it's popular at the time
0: no that's what the kids not. would have listened to I mean honestly the music in this film kind of felt like a bad uh, jukebox musical
1: I would say that that's an insult to jukebox musicals but um <laughs> well it's not common enough to be in like jukebox
0: musical i mean it well, pops I up mean, every, every now and then
1: well i mean i just I, I i guess
0: i mean it felt like that style like they found a song that is either popular or maybe like one or two words are the same so they just kind of shoved it in and just, yeah it didn't do much for me
1: i i just i just think the music and the soundtrack is pretty good um I do think it was just put in here as like as like what are the kids listening to nowadays? Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. And they got it.
0: It, it just kind of goes back to how I feel about the movies as a whole, just uninspired and lazy. Yeah, and honestly, that's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, well, too. the 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 music kind of backs that up as well, anyway. <clears throat>
2: um, I mean, I have nothing to say about the the composed music. Or the orchestral music you honestly I don't
0: remember a lick of Because
2: I don't remember. I, don't I mean the, the the one from Sorcerer's Apprentice was used. From the cartoon it was it was in this movie. The original one. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that. Nope. Nope. Yes, this I This movie's I, not yeah. memorable. It's really it not. Really matter.
1: No, it's not memorable. The the only thing I remember from this movie are the middle secrets and um and the worst line I've ever heard in a film, which is, "But I'm not alone. I brought a little science with me."
2: <laughs> That's how he says it too.
0: Oof.
1: That is. That is. That was probably the best impression of Jay Baruchel I've ever done. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have anything right, to say Doug, about this movie. Ta- yeah, take us home, Doug. Good. Let's score this sucker. Um, yeah, let's let's do it.
0: Alright, well, if this is your first time listening, we use a pretty simple scale here at Setting the Skeen. Uh, it's a 1-to-100 scale. You can kind of think of it like an American-grade scale. Where a 100 means that it is, it is perfect, it has no flaws, it is probably the greatest movie to ever exist. And 1 means that it is a steaming pile of turds. So, boys, who wants
1: to go first? I will. <sighs> I'm going to make this short and sweet. I'm going to give this movie a 20. Um, Why? Boy. Huh? why because i want to give it a 20 all right cool thank
0: you all right uh well for me i feel like to go that low this movie has to be like um insulting almost and this movie is really not it's just it just feels uninspired it feels lazy and honestly forgettable so i'm gonna give it give it a 50 just because that's just what that feels like like they just kind of christmas tree did an exam and turned it in they couldn't care less
2: yeah i'm gonna go a little bit lower and give this a 40 um yeah same reasons that ben said um and also it was perhaps a tiny bit insulting to um i don't know uh, just anyone that's creative so
0: All right. pretty much well, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, that gives us a final score of a thirty-six point six repeating.
1: It's about the movie. It checks Indeed out. he did is, and I never really want to watch it again. Yeah, I don't plan on it. Yeah, but hey, Ben, I got a question for you, buddy. What's that? What uh, what 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 we watching next week? What are we watching next week? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, from
0: what I can tell, we're actually watching a good movie next week. Um, it wow. is it's 2019's uh, "The Professor and the Madman," starring Mel Gibson, Sean Penn, and a whole bunch mm. of other people. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I get the feeling that Sean Bean—or wait, nope, that's Sean Penn, not Sean Bean. Never <laughs> mind. <not> Bean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh it's going to be a good time. Be sure to check it out. We've got a great guest lined up for that episode. Uh, so you will not want to miss that. Uh, in the meantime, be sure to keep up with us. Keep up with us on social media at Vider Media. Uh, you can also check out new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night, and new episodes of Setting the Skeen every Wednesday, every week. If if you sure, guys are interested,
2: if you guys are interested in knowing who I think the professor is and who I think the Madman is,
0: tune in next week and you'll find out. I think uh elijah is definitely the professor and doug is probably the madman but we'll confirm that next week so be sure to stay tuned but until then i'm ben i'm doug i'm tristan and this has been setting the skein y'all have a great week